Some words from the prophet Isaiah. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Loving God, who knows each one of us so far better than we know ourselves, we come to you at the start of our time together to offer our thanks and our praise. We thank you that even though we cannot see you, rarely hear you, and usually can't feel you, you are always with us, surrounding us with your love. We thank you for the way that you've made the world in all its diversity and for giving us the gifts of families and communities with whom to share our lives. We thank you that you bless us each day with gifts of water, food and shelter and we remember those less fortunate than ourselves. We thank you for making us free, giving us minds to think, and hearts to love, and for risking your lovely world by giving it to us. Holy God, we know that we don't always live as you would wish. Sometimes we misuse our freedom to do things that are cruel or selfish. Sometimes we deny our freedom and blame other people or you, for all that is wrong. Sometimes, even when we try our best, things go wrong and we feel bad. Please forgive us and help us to know that we are forgiven. Then please help us to stand tall and walk with you into tomorrow. In this hour of worship, when we celebrate the gift of new life, seen especially in baby Harry, and offered to each one of us in Christ Jesus. May we be assured of your presence with us and strengthened for the week ahead. We make our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. It's always a great joy and a great privilege to welcome new people into the family of the church, to celebrate with them, and to ask for God's blessing on them. And today, our very special pleasure is to welcome Harry, to thank God for him, and to promise to support his family in the years ahead, years that will bring their challenges as well as their joys, years that will bring fulfillment, I'm sure. First of all, though, we're going to hear a special reading for Harry that Graham and Ali have asked for. And it is addressed to Harry. Harry, for you, Jesus Christ came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. 
for you, he suffered the darkness of Calvary and cried at the last, it is accomplished. For you, he triumphed over death and rose in newness of life. For you, he ascended to God's right hand. All this he did for you, Harry, though you do not yet know it. And so the word of scripture is fulfilled. We love because God loved us first. I'm going to ask Graham and Ali and Harry to come and join me. And we're going to share some promises together. They're quite simple and straightforward. I'm going to ask Graham and Ali two questions, and they're going to say, hopefully, that they do in response. And then I'm going to invite all the people here, if you are able, to stand to make a promise on behalf of the church. So, to Graham and Ali. Do you thank God for his gift of Harry? And do you accept the joys and duties of parenthood, promising to love and care for him? Do you promise to bring up your children within the Christian community and to share your own faith with them? Would the congregation who are able please stand? Do you promise, insofar as you are able, to offer Harry and his family your love and care and to join with his parents in sharing our Christian faith? Now, this is a bit where I can make everybody else jealous. I'll let you sit down now. I get to hold Harry, which is fantastic. Let me go with the bread. Yep. Isn't he gorgeous? Aren't you jealous? And if you're not jealous, why are you not jealous? Because I get the best job today. So he's absolutely fantastic little man, aren't you, eh? So, Harry, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Today and always. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Can we just have a gentle round of applause for Harry? going to light a candle and give it to Graham and Ali to take home. The Gospel of John begins by reminding us that the light of Christ came into the world and nothing, absolutely nothing, can extinguish that light. Hoping this candle's going to behave. There we go. You can blow it out as soon as you sit down, but I would ask you to take it with you and keep it as a kind of a, a token of this moment. Think about it to mum, otherwise Harry might burn himself on it. This morning's reading is Psalm 23 and can be found on page 548, The Lord Our Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength 
He guides me in the right paths as he has promised. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. You are, your shepherd rod and staff protect me. You prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honoured guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your goodness and love will be me with me all my life and your house will be my home as long as I live. The second reading is John 21 verses 15 to 25 and can be found on page 146. Jesus and Peter. After they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? Yes, Lord, he answered, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he answered, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. A third time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was sad because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? So he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. I am telling you the truth. When you were young, you used to get ready and go anywhere you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will bind you and take you where you don't want to go. In saying this, Jesus was indicating the way in which Peter would die and bring glory to God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Peter turned round and saw behind him that other disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who had leaned close to Jesus at the meal and asked, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus answered him, If I want him to live until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So a report spread among the followers of Jesus that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He said, If I want him to live until I come, what is that to you? He is the disciple who spoke of these things, the one who also wrote them down. And we know that what he said is true. Now there are many other things that Jesus did. If they were all written down one by one, I suppose that the whole world could not hold the books that would be written. Amen. One of the most frequent and most powerful images used in the Bible is that of sheep. That shouldn't really surprise us very much because 
At the time that the events recorded in the Bible were taking place, people lived very close to nature. Sheep farming was just part of the way of life. The Jewish sacrificial system centered on the use of sheep and lambs because these were the most precious possessions of nomadic or peasant people. They offered the best they had back to God. And the role of the shepherd, a necessary outsider, excluded from religious ceremony, whose work was to protect the sheep from harm, was well understood. Sheep and shepherds were everyday sights for the ancient people of God. And it was out of this everydayness, this ordinariness, that their power as symbols emerged. It's probably not going to surprise you that this is not the best researched sermon I will ever deliver. Events of the last week or two have definitely overtaken me and my brain's a bit of a mess at the moment. So what I'm offering you is some kind of reader response reflection on two familiar and well-loved important passages. One of my concerns is I really do not want to detract from the joy that we have shared in welcoming Harry and his family today. I don't want this to become some kind of gloom moment. We are looking for good news from God. I wonder if you've ever noticed that John's Gospel ends twice. At the end of chapter 20... And again at the end of chapter 21 are almost identical words along the lines of this. Jesus did many other things as well, but these are recorded so that you might believe. Scholars have lots of theories about why chapter 21 was written. They think we probably have a second edition, John's Gospel, the first edition having ended at the end of chapter 20. And the passage that we heard read for us just now by Joyce is often referred to as the reinstatement of Peter. It's a passage that's been important to me along the lines as I have trained and become and worked as a minister. And rather than a reinstatement, I see it more as a commission. Not an undoing of a regrettable past, though clearly that is within it, but actually the beginning of an important future. I think there is a threefold commission to Peter and to us. So the first part of the commission, feed my lambs. In an agricultural society, every newborn lamb was incredibly precious, holding within it enormous future potential. The firstborn lamb of each sheep would be given back to God as a thank offering. But each subsequent lamb could, with proper care, grow to adulthood, potentially yielding wool for blankets, milk for cheese, dung for fertiliser. You didn't ever think you'd hear a minister say dung from the pulpit, did you? But there you go. And lambs of its own. The commission to care for lambs is a commission to recognise and nurture potential. Today, we have, in a special way, welcomed Harry and prayed for him and his family. And we have promised, insofar as we are able, to support them in bringing him up. That's a good beginning. 
but it needs ongoing commitment if that potential that is contained within that tiny wee boy is to be realised. We have a duty to Harry and to Robbie and to every child and young person in our care to nurture their potential and to help them grow in their understanding of the God who in love created them, in Christ redeems them, and by the Holy Spirit sustains them. We have made firm commitments to greater integration of our church and Sunday school work. And that, to me, is an important part of our way forward in fulfilling that commission to feed Christ's lambs. But we can also hear this, this commission metaphorically. The lambs full of potential can be heard as new things we are attempting with and for God. And for me, especially at the moment, the new links with the universities and students seem like a little lamb that has been entrusted to us. For that potential to be realised, we need to feed it. I can't tell you how thrilled and excited I was last Sunday when the lounge was packed to overflowing with people eager to share in this work. We had people on the chairs, we had people on the floor, we had people out of the door. It was a great moment. So please, let's not be discouraged by events of this week from pursuing what God is calling us to do. The second commission, take care of my sheep. There was a time, especially in the Anglican church, when congregations were referred to as flocks. And ministers are still sometimes called pastors. I'm not sure that's always terribly helpful because sometimes people think that sheep are stupid. But there we go. My congregation is far from stupid. Looking after sheep, the pastoral task, is not an easy one. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd, the one who lies across the gate of the sheepfold to put himself between them and the predators that would seek to kill and destroy. In both Matthew and Luke, we have stories of sheep that are lost, and a shepherd who leaves the flock to fend for itself while he goes off in search of the one. It seems right to me that we try to hold all those different images together, if only for a moment. Hillhead is a very loving church. I've come to know that in the time that I've been here. And within this church, there are excellent, quiet examples of a flock that knows how to look after itself, freeing its shepherd to go and look for the ones and twos, whether they are those on the edge of the church or those beyond. Our pastoral team is on hand to offer practical and spiritual support. And the coffee club, growing week by week, is one of the finest examples of Christian love in action that I know of. Do read the report in the key. It's spot on. Now, this is going to be telling you to suck eggs, But in the coming few months, we're all going to need to look out for each other and to be open with each other about the struggles we may face. I remember when I met with you well over a year ago now that I said that pastoral care is a whole church responsibility. Now's our chance to show that all of us, me included, take it seriously.
We need to be honest. We need to be open with each other. And we also need to be gentle with each other when we foul up. Because sometimes we will. You see, part of the mystery of being a church of God's people is that we are each simultaneously sheep and shepherd. And then the third commission, feed my sheep. Just as the lambs need to be fed if they're going to grow up into healthy sheep, so the adult sheep need to be fed too. Central to our commitment here at Hillhead is Sunday worship. And it's great that every week since I've been here, the church has been full. There have been new people coming along. There have been visitors. It's, it's fantastic. But it doesn't just end on a Sunday. Since I came here, I detected a desire, a hunger, if you like, for a deeper knowledge and understanding of our faith. This week, we began our new Bible study group. And on Monday, our theological reflection group will begin. Each of these are spaces for serious engagement with matters of faith and life. What does the Bible say to us about our life? And how do the complex issues of the world impact on our faith? We are truly blessed to have so many keen thinkers in our congregation. Some are highly educated. Others are not. They are intuitive. And that's fine. But it's vital to our well-being that each one of us continues to learn and grow. I really hope that the next few months I'm going to be able to continue to preach at least some of the time and to take part in those groups at least some of the time. But more importantly, I'd like to encourage each one of you to take responsibility for your own feeding. By getting involved with these groups or with others, that will help to develop your faith and your knowledge, give you the strength that you need for what life brings your way. So, a threefold commission that quite neatly can be adjusted to fit the life of Hillhead Baptist Church. It's amazing what ministers can do if they put their mind to it, isn't it? But in ending, I want to turn to Psalm 23. It's one of the most beautiful and one of the most overworked passages of scripture that there is. It is brimful of promises of God's faithful accompaniment and protection in the toughest of places. Around about 20 years ago, I think, I heard a children's talk based on this psalm, and I'm fairly confident I was sitting in a Methodist chapel in the northwest of England at the time. And that was in a mining village, and it may be why the story was told. I don't know if the story is true, but it goes something like this. In the days when children worked in the coal mines and were taught to read in Sunday school, a purely academic exercise in those days, a little boy had been learning to read Psalm 23. The teacher held up her hand to her class, and she counted the words on her fingers. The Lord is my shepherd. She repeated it. The Lord is my shepherd. And she held the last two fingers with the hand that she was counting with. My shepherd. And she said, this is how God holds us. 
Sometime later, there was a dreadful mining accident, and the little boy was one of those trapped. Days later, the search team found his body and noticed his hands, one clasping the two fingers on the other. I don't know if it's true, and I was never convinced it was a suitable story for children, but it is a story that has stayed with me. And sometimes, when I'm scared, I will count the words and hold my fingers, reminding myself of the promises of God. To end there would not be right. That's a painful and difficult place to end. And that's not what Christianity is about. The psalm ends with hope, with the eternal promise of a heavenly banquet. Sometimes life can be very tough, but that does nothing to diminish the promises of God, which are as sure and certain as ever they were. Today, we celebrate the gift of new life with all its potential, and we do rejoice with Graham, Ali, Robbie and Harry in their new beginnings together. We rejoice in all the children and young people who are part of our church or connected with our church. Of course we do. And one day, every one of us will rejoice in the fulfillment of God's promises in the eternal kingdom of Christ's shalom. Because this much I believe, that love is stronger than hate, that hope is stronger than fear, that life is stronger than death. Let's hold fast to the good news of Christ's redemptive power and trust in God's promises for all that lies ahead of us. And now let's come to God with our prayers of intercession. Scripture tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Joyful God, we rejoice in the wonder of new life, thanking you for the babies and children who share the life of this fellowship. We pray for all parents and carers of children, that you will strengthen them for the challenges and responsibilities they face, giving them days filled with love and laughter, as well as wisdom in the decisions they have to make. We thank you for the gift of education, and especially for schools and those who teach in them. We pray for all teachers, auxiliaries and administrators, that you will strengthen them for the work they are called to do, giving them days filled with a sense of purpose and achievement and the assurance of your shelter when the task is difficult. We pray for the children, the young people and the students within our fellowship, so diverse in personality, so full of life and curiosity, sensitivity and intelligence. Help us to nurture them wisely so that the faith nascent within them may come to full expression. 
vulnerable God. We call to mind the Chilean miners trapped underground and not knowing when they might once again see daylight or embrace those they love. Hold them in your loving arms. Strengthen them and calm their fears as they wait and hope. Give wisdom and skill to the rescuers as they work tirelessly to set these men free. We pray for those in Britain who are the most vulnerable, thinking especially of those who have fled their homelands, seeking asylum from fear and violence. As they await decisions snared in the web of bureaucracy, or as they wait at Dungaval or Yarl's Wood, fearing the moment they will be deported, may they know your love around them. Give compassion and insight to those who assess applications and to those who must carry out deportation orders. We pray for ourselves, each one with our private needs, and together in our corporate need. Fulfill to us your promises. Grant us strength in the challenges and hope unquenchable. May we each swim in the unending sea of your unfailing love. Accept all our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.